it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Linda Keir. Linda Keir is the actual pen name of Linda Jaffe Hull and Keir Graff. Their latest book, The Royal Game, is published by Blackstone Publishing. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for having, Thanks for having us. Of course. Now, I want to hear much more about The Royal Game because when, uh, when I found out about it, I was very interested in it. Linda, do you want to take it? Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, boy, we couldn't start off sounding more eager, could we? Uh, so <laughs> the Royal Game is our fourth novel together, and we mm -hmm. have kind of, since we started collaborating, um, we have kind of evolved this brand of marriage in crisis, and we write suspense, mystery, thriller, about about you know people with with big problems in their marriage and i think mm -hmm. that they can be kind of relatable in some ways although oftentimes the the problems are scaled a little bit larger this one is a little interesting because it's kind of it felt like a stretch for us but it also felt like uh it felt natural it felt like it was in our wheelhouse we were actually approached with this story idea by alloy entertainment um and mm. they wanted a a, a fictionalized version of the Harry and Meghan story, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Oh, and all right. So possible happy ending. <laughs> with a possible right. happy ending. <laughs> and so we uh, we we did a lot of brainstorming and collaborating with uh, with ourselves, with uh, their smart story executives, with our agent. And it was a really fun kind of brainstorming process. This is we've never never generated a novel like this where we actually kind of plotted it a little bit in a writer's room and then we went off to just write the book without any interference or anything and wow. it uh what we came up with was the story of a, an american pop singer jenny jensen who is from peoria illinois and she is on a kind of one woman tour of the mediterranean uh flogging her her one hit song uh, when she gets a request from the audience and has a meet cute with the heir to the British throne, uh, who she does not recognize and in, in fact, you know, thinks is kind of a pain in the ass at first. They have a whirlwind romance. He proposes to her. They are, she's in love with him, so she says yes. And suddenly she's like on this kind of whirlwind ride. She's joining the British royal family, which is just this kind of mind-boggling level of, of complexity in her life. Uh, everything right. seems kind of great until... She um, starts to get uh, an idea that perhaps her mother-in-law, the uh, her deceased mother-in-law, who um, is everybody thought had died in an accident, may have been murdered. And then, oh. uh, and then Jenny starts getting threatening notes of her own, and so she feels like she has to solve the mystery of what happened to her her famously dead mother-in-law or she might end up with the same fate. Wow. Well, it starts off with a very light premise and then really gets uh, quite serious quite quickly, doesn't it? 
it's it's a bit it's another way in which it's a departure for us is that it's got a really strong romance element. We've never really done romance. I think that it's got a genuine, legit, you know, mm -hmm. interesting, compelling romance, but it's absolutely a mystery as well. And right. it goes back and forth in time and into the point of view of the deceased mother-in-law when she was going through the same um, trials and tribulations in the palace as a young wife of the now king who's remarried to someone else. Wow. Wow. Totally made up. Nothing, uh, nothing, nothing at all ripped from the yeah. headlines. Nothing yeah, absolutely. On this one. <laughs> there was a careful wow. legal read. <laughs> right. I'm sure there was. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always interesting, aren't they? Like yeah. that I spend all this time working on something just to have a lawyer, rightfully so, tell me I can't put, do it. Um, now, when you write, I'm always interested in writing collaborations. Uh, does one of you uh, write one part and then the other write the other? Do you handle different aspects of the story? How does your particular partnership work in a book like this? Uh, Every other it, sentence. It here takes the nouns and verbs. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do everything else. <laughs> the, we kind of came up with our working pattern with our first book because we, when we met, um, we were, and it's funny, I feel like we, should, we now need to add this disclaimer right up front because everybody always assumes we're married. I don't know why, why this is the case. Um, they, they probably wouldn't assume we were both married if we were the same gender. But at any rate, we're right. both happily long time married to other people, but we met as writers and became collaborators, gosh, what, 10 a decade ago or so. Yeah. And we were at VoucherCon in St. Louis and an agent friend of ours who doesn't represent either of us, but just a good friend, kind of asked us um, you know, about projects we were interested in working on. And it turned out we both had a really similar idea we wanted to explore. And she said, well, why don't you write it together? And we kind of looked at each other in terror really, because it was like the idea of, of writing a novel with somebody else just seemed it seemed impossible to me. I mean, Linda can may have a slightly different answer on that, but like I, so, but at the same time, we were really intrigued. It seemed fun. It, and it also, you know, I think in life as a writer, when an agent tells you, you should consider something, you should always consider it because, you know, yes. we're, we're trying to sell books here. So we ended up having yes. lots, lots of conversations about it. And we decided that the, the, the approach that made sense was for us to each write different characters and write different points of view. Um, because mm. we could imagine kind of like old fashioned Hollywood style collaboration where one of us is typing and the other one is shouting or anything like that. Right. So right. We've always written separate characters ever since. Yeah. Right. It's, and it, as it turns out, <clears throat> we both have different strengths and, and no weaknesses, of course, but. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. Um, part of writing with a partner involves, um, allowing yourself to be edited without ego and it's a tough it's right. a tough um deal but it but it works for us so we allow ourselves to really listen to the other person and try and and put the the project itself above any personal um, ego needs if you will that might get in the way of of writing a good book and it seems to right work. yeah because that's essential whether you're in a writing partnership or it's an editor writer um, scenario because you know somebody else has good input on what we're writing whether it's the writing partner or that editor from the uh, publishing house and it's important for the art to be able to uh, take valuable critique. I always tell aspiring authors that 
you know, it's your name on the front of the book. So if, if, if all the good ideas come from your editor and agent and writing partner, like take them because you still, yeah. get, you know. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and it's funny that you both mentioned the business part of the uh, business, because I always try to highlight that in these podcasts, because it's wonderful to have an art. It's wonderful to have something that you want to bring to the world, but there's also the business aspect of it. And you were wise when you said, if an agent tells you to do something, you have to consider it, uh, at least. You don't have to follow it blindly. Um, it, that's important. I mean, tell me how you learned, you arrived at that, um, at that decision throughout your experiences as writers, where you said, you know what, this isn't such a bad idea after all. Well, I think for me, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different things. I continue to do a lot of different things. I write kids books. Um, I, I write with Linda. Um, I've written, we've both written solo novels under our own names. We've both done some ghost writing. Um, I may, I'm possibly putting together my first nonfiction book, hope, you know, knock on wood this year. And um, I've always looked at it as, you know, writing as, as, a, as a career. And I look at myself as a craftsman more than an artist. And to me, it's like, you know, I really respect the artist who, you know, goes into the cave and, you know, shuts out all interference and writes the book that's in their soul, you know, like the Cormac McCarthy's or whatever, like, that's wonderful. Those people are, you know, on a special different plane or whatever, but also, you know, Cormac McCarthy, you know, famously wouldn't buy his wife toothpaste. Um, you know, I have one kid in college and another kid on, on their way to college and, you know, I'm making, I'm, I gotta make a living. And so I've always found a way it, to me, it's really important to to balance the the commerce with the craft. Um, right. I because I also have a, a background in in um, I worked I was an editor in a magazine for a long time, and I've done a lot of journalism. Um, I do find pleasure in an assignment, and this right. is a great example. I think neither Linda nor I are, are are royalists. Neither of us were huge fans of the royal family. You know, we followed them right. like like everybody does, kind of. Um, sure. And we always saw the potential for story there, but we weren't like super fans of the House of Windsor. Um, and so I you don't have plates and stuff up in the wall or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tea, tea towels. Yeah. I mean, there's that, that's a, you don't, don't strike me as that type. But you find the story eventually. You know, it's like you, you, oh, Linda does have a pillow. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. There we go. Oh, no. It's yeah, <laughs> Charles and Camilla pillow. My Charles and Camilla pillow that Keir sent to me. No, I did read a dozen <laughs> books on the royal family during that time, and you can research anything and find what you need to know. Um, it does. It, I'm sorry, I have a little bit of a dog in the background. Um, it does beg the question. You know, you write what you know, but what you don't know, you have to research, and you have to research it accurately, and you have to be right. open to having people within. Um, whatever profession or whatever we've written about a lot of stuff that we don't do or know about and i think the internet's a beautiful and magical um, tool to learn what yes it is found um and then and then relying on people who who do the thing or in the thing I, you know i had one of the books i had to write a, a young female doctor that was in cancer research something i i know absolutely nothing about and um i had a friend that was in cancer research read the book to make sure it was okay and I hadn't gotten anything wrong that that someone that's in that field would would object to. And so when it came to the royal family, of which I knew everything from gossip sites and not reality, kind of fun right. to learn um, 
different takes on on um from inside and 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 outside the palace and and it was it was great i feel like i know a lot and then i let go of it as soon as the book was done because <laughs> i don't care anymore <laughs> right yeah you, you can't keep all of that information rattling around in your mind otherwise you you know you, you have to make room for other things especially what's right in front of you i'd have to hug my royalist my royal that is one of the great things about being a writer is just becoming that, you know, uh, short-term subject specialist. I know, you know, a lot of a lot of writers, you know, have one series character and do that their whole career and, and go really deep in that world. And that's super cool too. I mean, I yeah, uh, all respect for that. For me, I love the kind of one-offs. And you know, and I haven't I've never done a series until well, now I'm actually doing a, a kids book series with with James Patterson, but like until that, you know, that's 13 books in and I'd never done a, a, a second book of anything. I'd never done a sequel because right. I just love that. I love going deep and then kind of coming up for air, looking around, scanning the landscape and saying, what's next? Right, right. Yeah. And it is different when you're writing a series too, because in some ways it's easier because you know the world, but then it's a little bit tougher because now you're held into account. You're held to account for what you've written before and the audience expects some of those characters or plot lines to return. So it's it, it presents its own challenges, doesn't it? Yeah, I've done both and um, I enjoy both. And I've also done a bunch of ghostwriting of getting to write other people's stories. And so I, I think I feel lucky as a writer, I think Kier probably would agree that we've gotten to write one-off, you know, standalone books, um, particularly in our career together and do other projects, him working in children's books, me doing mystery series um, on occasion. And I'm always open to whatever the interesting project is that comes next. Right, right. And yeah, I think that more writers need to be like that because the, you, you learn by doing, even if you've done 15 books or, or 50 books, each new project presents a brand new challenge. So I think writers need to be open to that kind of thing. I know, Kier, you were gonna say something? Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, and I think it's important too to state that, like, you know, if any aspiring authors listening to this, I would, I would also say that, you know, in talking about the 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 market aspect of this that you were mentioning earlier, like, I wouldn't encourage anybody to be versatile in order to chase the market because that's always one thing everybody should avoid. I would say be yeah. versatile in order to embrace an interesting project, a project you think you can bring your strengths to, a project, you know certainly a pre-sold project, you know, a project where that somebody is, is, you know, if it's, if the money's there and you're interested in writing it and think it will be fun, great. Never do it just for the money and never do it because you suspect it might make money, but your heart's not in it. Right. Yeah. That's a huge deal because you're exactly right. If you start to chase the trends, the trend will be over by the time your book hits the market. And, yeah. you know, it's like I always say vampire books and zombie stories are out of fashion until they weren't. And who decided they were going to be back? People started buying those books. It's you can't predict it. You really can't. Yeah, it's completely uh, it's completely at the whim of the uh, of the market. But you're right. Yeah, and I I told that to somebody the other day who was going to be writing a historical piece, a really great author starting out in his career. And I told him, I said, don't expect there to be a ton of interest for this kind of genre right now. But I'm just preparing you for that disappointment not discouraging you from writing it. I just want you to have realistic expectations. And I think that's where a lot of writers 
especially earlier in the career, become frustrated because they it doesn't land with the, the kind of oomph they thought it would. And it's got nothing to do with them. It's got a whole lot of other factors involved. Yeah. And we all have stories of watching, you know, colleagues, friends, rivals, whatever, you know, like hit that timing perfectly and take off and, you know, good for them. You know, it's just like, it, it's out of all of our control. And all we can do is write the books that we want and need to write and hope for the best. Yeah, Linda, what do you think of that? Well, you know, I, I, I have this argument with my husband when I'm watching TV all the time. And he says, <laughs> you've, you've stopped reading all the time and you watch TV all the time. And I say, I do both. Because I think in right. order to write effectively, you need to know what's going on in the world, unless you're writing historical. Um, but in almost any other genre, including science fiction or or anything, you need to know what's happening in our world right now to... Um, keep the relevance in your writing. But that said, right. um, you still got to write what you want to write and the story you want to write. Uh, but I, I feel like the sweet spot is somewhere in there where you kind of know what's going on around you, but you still choose to do this thing or that thing for some specific reason. And I don't know how you find that moment, but that's what I'm shooting for every day. Right, yeah, you try to have, make informed decisions about your project uh, based on what, as you just said, is what's happening around you. But you also don't want to get analysis paralysis, where you're fretting about, well, how am I going to position this? How is this going to, you know, just write it and then worry about the details later and do the best you can with it. You can't really position anything, best as I can tell. You can think you are, and, and you go with that, I guess, but um, it turns into what it turns into, and then it finds its spot. One yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. One of the, one of the things that Linda's really great at in the partnership is just um, co constantly like I love to just dig into the story and just like where's the story going, and she's often like taking that step back and kind of asking like where, what is you know, what's the what's that simple theme that is going to kind of hold the whole thing together, and that's really important stuff to just have have nailed down. Uh, I can mm -hmm. be a little too quick to just like well let's just start let's just start putting some pages down, and she always wants to really like you know how. I, I, again, I think that that big picture sense of, of the story, and then that once we have that locked in, that can kind of help guide us through the whole writing process. It does make for analysis paralysis, though, honestly, <laughs> as we both know, because Kier writes a lot faster than I do. He can just go, okay. all right, this is going to happen in that scene. And then later, I'm like, wait a minute, is this fitting into, you know, and it, when we were first writing together, he'd write these long passages that were unbelievably gorgeous and not off the point at all. I mean, like I wanted them in there, but I'm like, an editor is going to cut this out here. And he'd be like, but it's, but it's magical. But I'm like, yes. <laughs> and um, he doesn't. They were you magical, do Linda. But <laughs> uh, some of the stuff he writes is beyond gorgeous. But um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always looking at it from 50,000 feet to see does this book go from beginning to end? Does this happen? Does that happen? And I read books all the time that don't do it. So maybe it doesn't matter, but it matters to me as a reader and it matters to me a lot more as a writer. Right. And I think both of you care about that. And that's why you make a good team in, in writing this kind of stuff together, because you might have different approaches to it, but you both wind up want to wind up in the exact same place. We do. For sure. And and one thing we always tell people about collaboration too is, and Linda alluded to this earlier, is just that it's really important uh, to choose a collaborator. And, and we didn't 
set out to do this intentionally. We just kind of lucked into it, but it's important to choose a collaborator as different strengths and weaknesses, because if they have the same strengths and weaknesses as you, you're screwed. I mean, you, you know, like, uh, you, you know, maybe you'll have a good time working together, but your work won't improve. If, if you um, somehow, you know, have this yin yang thing going, um, then you might actually create something that's greater than the sum of its parts. That said, right. you, you need a collaborator that's got the same work ethic and both of us are workhorses. I mean, even what, to whatever extent, we're both working on stuff all the time, whether it's our stuff or someone else's stuff. There's never that you're not doing um, your work. You know, like I've been trying to get a hold of Kier for three weeks now and he doesn't <laughs> answer his phone. I mean, there's just none of that. Right, yeah, you have to be serious about it. And I, I found that the people who are more prolific uh, tend to be serious because you have to be. I mean, if you just paw at it and give into things like writer's block, which we all get, we call them different things, but find a way to stay productive in and around that project, that's how you get it written. I mean, last year I had seven books published under two under my name uh, and five under the ghostwriter series that I do. And people said, how the hell do you do that? And I said, I approach it like a job every single day. I'm not more talented than anybody else. I just type, I do type faster than a lot of people, but that's <laughs> it. I mean, I, I, I lock myself in and I, make, I, I light up a cigar and I make sure I'm at the computer doing something. If, if I'm blocked on a scene, I handwrite it out on my pad and I try to work through it. And that, you know, you just can't give up on it just because there's a difficult part. That's the absolute secret. I mean, there we all know people who are more talented than us who have not found as much success because they it's just like it's all work ethic. Right. Right. Exactly right. Now, I know, Linda, you said that you were watching uh, a lot of television lately. Is there any one genre that's pulled you in lately? Any shows that you've been uh, following so uh, that you could recommend to people? My favorite, well, so here's the thing. <laughs> I've watched <laughs> everything. I'm kind of over it. And my goal is to book a week now um, for this year. But my husband hasn't watched anything. So now I'm watching things with him. I I want to tell you, though, that um, I, I don't know that I have a specific. I, I liked Bad Sisters on um, Apple TV, which is um, a, a mystery. You know that show, a, a mystery. It's hilarious. And it's it's got its uneven moments, but there's some incredible brilliance and it's hilariously funny and it's it's about you know family and and marriage and love and um abuse and and the good things happening in the end and it's pretty mm -hmm. bad however um i heard a comparison between the tv show succession and arrested development and that okay. all the characters from succession um they compare almost directly to the characters of Arrested Development. And so now, um, now I got to look at both again, <laughs> done different ways. You know, the, the ne'er-do-well brother, the, you know, Job being like um, the oldest brother, you know, Job from Arrested Development, if you know that show. And, right. uh, the, you know, the good brother, the this, or Job being like um, the youngest brother, I can't remember, but it was hilarious and very weirdly accurate. So um, I'm always looking for that next show that, that, kind of shows me a, a path forward in one way or another. And that was an interesting comparison to take kind of real humor and dark humor and put them together. Right. And rapid fire dialogue too. Some, you know, I, I think that they over cursed a little bit too much. I don't mind cursing, 
but it, you know, if it looks like they're inserting it too much, it kind of becomes a little bit off-putting. But they really, I love both shows, and, and Succession was a, a recent favorite of mine. Here, what about you? Are there any uh, shows that you've been hooked on lately? I've I've been watching. I watch far more movies than TV shows. Um, uh, sure. I I'm a huge um, film buff, and uh, so I've been. It, and I've got a 17-year-old son who's really, really into films. So we've been watching. I, I I just love this. Like I'm getting to, like share a lot of kind of classics. I mean, my my favorite era of film is the 1970s, and so I'm like working through a lot of that stuff. But also showing stuff from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, whatever. Um, uh, TV wise, uh, I I think Slow Horses is like my favorite thing I've seen in forever. Uh, it's just so great. Gary Oldman and I could watch Gary Oldman, you know, read the shopping list as they say. Uh, right. but he's particularly delightful in that. It's just such a fun show. Yeah, he really is. And then, yeah, it's great that you picked the 1970s because there's a lot of great movies that came out back then. Uh, two of my favorites, uh, were three days of the condor different than the book that James Grady wrote, but uh, a slam bang ending. I did not see coming. And to this day, still hits hard. Uh, and the other one I always let uh, writers know that they should take a look at is Network, because it had such great dialogue back and forth. And Absolute classic, Pat Chayefsky. I'm so glad to hear you mentioned uh, Jim Grady. Jim happens to be a great friend of mine. Um, we co-edited Montana Noir together. Um, I was just on the phone with him uh, last week. Um, just a dear, dear friend and a, a wonderful writer, amazing human being. Um, so it's always good to hear hear appreciation for his work. I, I just yeah, couldn't agree absolutely. more. Oh yeah, no, he's great. He's uh, he's been good to me over the years, and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast soon. He's he's very busy himself too. <laughs> he is. He's 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 on a, a new publishing streak again. He's got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire, which is super exciting. Yeah, I'm glad to see it for his sake. So speaking of irons in the fire, what are you both working on, either as a team? or independently right now that we, uh, the audience might be able to look forward to in the coming year or so? Well, we're uh, currently writing, um, we've got a really excellent start on the fifth Linda Keir book. And don't wanna to say too much about it, except that once again, it's kind of a departure for us. Um, this one's more, uh, this one's an out and out thriller, which is something we've never done. Um, and it's still, I would say enough on brand that I think people will recognize it as a Linda Keir book, but it is a lot more, you know, Linda came up with the idea. And again, I, you know, we haven't sold it yet. So I don't think we want to say too much about it, but except that no. it's, it's just an adrenaline uh, ride. And it's been really fun to try that because that's different for us. Yeah. Right. That's great. We've been lucky because we've done straight mystery. We've done thriller. We've done suspense which is kind of uh, this book. And uh, we've done just marital drama and our agent is like, it's on brand, let's go. And we've been lucky enough to sell everything and um, and be trusted, which is super cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the very beginning stages of a family dynamic. Uh, I don't wanna say comedy because I hate it when people say they're writing a comedic novel because it's yeah. funny. Um, it's going to have a little mystery element in it, but it is a family drama. With okay. Yeah, and I'm outlining a, a solo novel as well. Haven't done one for a few years, and um, I've had one percolating for a long, long time. And and I think this is going to be really fun. Linda and I have both been talking about our ideas to each other, and I think it's going to be fun to kind of like 
cheer each other on through solo projects. You know, I, we've, we've accomplished so much together and that's just been such a pleasure. But obviously as, as artists, as writers, as craft people, we gotta, you know, like stretch in all, all ways. And so it's, it's just fun to be able to support each other in those, in those areas too. Yeah, fantastic. Now, if the audience wants to follow what you're doing and your, your progress, what is the best way they can follow uh, Linda Keir, but also each of you individually? Well, we, Linda, Linda, why don't you? Yeah, go ahead, Linda. Um, I, I have my, my website is lindajoffehull.com. Um, I'm a bit, I mean, I, I have moments of being active on social media and otherwise on Instagram and Facebook. I'm a little on the, um, I'm, I'm of the, the, the mind that less is more at this point. Um, right. I, I get out there with, with all my information about what's happening next. You know, there's, if they're new to us, there's a bunch of Linda Keir books um, to read and look into, including the three Mrs. Wrights and um, Drowning with Others. And our first book together, which was about swingers, which neither of us are, once again, <laughs> research. Um, and not for Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not married to each other and um, everyone assumes we are and because we hang out together because we're good friends when we're at right. conferences, but you couldn't possibly be married and write the way we do together. And I mean, I guess there are married couples that do. My husband says that I can't even be a um, an, a, an intern at his office because I wouldn't, I'm not fit for, <laughs> for public. Um, but, you know, he, he, wouldn't, he doesn't want to see me that much. Um, but, you know, anyway, I digress. But um, that would be the best way to get to know us is read our books and then reach out. Kier's got a newsletter he'll tell you about. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for me. Okay, yeah, cool, Kier. For me, the single best way is to subscribe to my newsletter, Graph Paper. Uh, you can find it at my website, like K-E-I-R-G-R-A-F-F.com slash newsletter. And if you sign up, the newsletter is free. It's once a month. It's um, lots of, it's more often essays than self-promotion. Um, and if you check the box for like new uh, new alerts, I can't remember what it's called, uh, new releases or something. Mm -hmm. um, you'll also get announcements of our new books when that happens, um, whether my books or, or Linda Keir books. Um, so I, I won't share emails with anybody and I don't spam anyone, but that's just the absolute best way to keep up. Because I like Linda, I'm, I'm hit and miss on social media. I love it until I don't. Right. Oh, and we're, right. we're kind of on book tour. So you're going to be able to see us in Denver, February 8th. Um, we have a book signing and then we are going to, then I'm coming to Chicago and we're doing book tour through the mid uh, Chicago and in, in, in Wisconsin. We're trying to arrange something in St. Louis and we'll be at Tucson Festival Books as well. Thank you both for being here for another edition of Spies, Lies and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody. Take care. You have been listening to Spies, Lies and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.